You're listening to City Beat, the weekly podcast from UrbanMilwaukee.com. Before we go any further today, we have to stop and reflect on two things. Number one, we did it! The sun is shining, the snow is melting, temperatures are above freezing. You can actually have thoughts outside other than, holy crap, it's cold! Way to go, Milwaukee, we've made it. The other news is, yeah, a little bit less exciting. Mark your calendars from July 13th through July 16th, 2020. The circus is coming to town. Now, I don't mean the literal circus, but the Democratic National Convention. 50,000 people, $200 million in economic impact. Police officers are coming from out of state. Undoubtedly, protesters are coming from out of state. And the good news is, the next presidential candidate from the Democratic National Party will be in attendance as well. Milwaukee will be on display for the entire country. Get ready. But we're here today to talk to Ashley Booth from HNTV. We will get his thoughts on the DNC, find out what he does professionally, and learn why he loves Brewers Hill. Don't touch that dial, close that app, or hit skip. We'll be right back. Ashley Booth, welcome to City Beat. Hey, Jeremy. So I first want to get into your background because there's something of it that just amazed me when I learned it a couple weeks ago. You went to UW-Green Bay and UW-Milwaukee, and what did you do there? Well, uh, five foot ten, uh, but I was a, uh, a basketball player at Green Bay. Went there to be an urban studies undergraduate and play basketball. Well, well done. And how many points did you score? Two. All right. <laughs> I uh, 100% at the free throw line, so uh, two for two. I think Mark Titus of Ohio State calls that club trillion, or maybe club two trillion in your case, <laughs> for one minute played and no fouls, no points, whatever. Well, I have plenty of fouls, just two points. <laughs> All right. And then at UWM, what'd you do? Yeah, so I went to UWM for uh, a graduate school degree at Sarup for urban planning. And what is Sarup for those that uh, maybe are not familiar with the urban planning world? Yeah, so it's the School of Architecture and Urban Planning. All right. And after that, you uh, ended up in the city of Franklin, I saw. You know, I know everything about you from your LinkedIn profile. Sure, <laughs> sure. Great, great research background there. Uh, yeah, I worked uh, for the city of Franklin for about five years. Uh, I did it while I was going to graduate school and worked full-time uh, at the city of Franklin. It was a great experience. And then today, flash forward, you're the Great Lakes Transit Leader at HNTB. Tell us all about that. Yeah, it's a it's a great role. I love it. Um I get to travel, which lots of people like to travel. So I get to uh, go all over the Midwest and work on projects, uh, transit projects in particular, and support uh, HNTB staff and, and projects uh, all over. Now, I've only become familiar with HNTB in the last 10 years, and I'm sure even in that amount of time it's it's changed. But when tell, I guess, the audience how big is HNTB, where are audiences, how many people do you work with in Milwaukee? Sure. Yeah, so HNTB has got about four to 5,000 uh, engineers, planners, and architects. We've got about 70 offices throughout the U.S., so we're one of the 15 largest engineering, architecture, and planning firms in the country. We've been in Milwaukee for 60 years, so it's actually Office 005, so that was the fifth office in the whole country started, so we've got deep roots here in Milwaukee. Uh, locally, we have about 100 employees, and uh, we just announced uh, recently we're moving downtown. So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a huge opportunity. And where are you moving downtown from? So we're currently out at Park Place, which, um, you know, back in the 1980s, that was Mayor Meyer's uh, attempt to prevent uh, job losses to the suburbs. So his goal was to build a new downtown, 
uh, on the edge of uh, Milwaukee. And so uh, HNTB was one of the first anchor tenants for Mayor Meyer in the Cube office towers uh, out there with A.O. Smith um, to help uh, that initiative. So we've been there uh, in, in Park Place for about 40 years now. And when you say you're coming downtown, where downtown? Yeah, it's a great question. So we're very excited about the 250 building, uh, East Wisconsin. So it's on the east side of the river in East Town or, or Juneau Town. Um, it uh, will be in the 19th and 20th floors, so the top of the building, and uh, of great views of the city, great views of the lake, um, excellent proximity to things like the Riverwalk, uh, Milwaukee Public Market, and obviously the Hop Street Car. And what other, and maybe you can't say, but what other types of spaces or spaces in particular did you look at other than the 250 Plaza? Yeah, that's a good question. There, You know, Milwaukee, it's so exciting to see this renaissance because there were uh, literally dozens of spaces that we looked at, both in uh, Park Place and the suburbs and downtown. Uh, a ton of different options that we looked at downtown that we really liked, but at the end of the day, the location, uh, the 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 price points, the amenities, uh, the views uh, really won the day at 250. Were there locations outside of downtown that were considered? Uh, absolutely. I mean, as you can imagine, uh, the majority of our of our engineers, architects, and planners live uh, in the suburbs of, of Milwaukee, and so uh, we did a sort of a geographic heat map to see where the closest proximity was. So, of course, we looked at places like the Research Park, uh, which is in Wauwatosa. Uh, and and other places like Honey Creek, which is not downtown, but the near west side of Milwaukee. And when you say the heat map, there were about, if I remember right from the story we wrote on it, there were about 90 people in your office? Yeah, we have about 90 uh, here in Milwaukee and uh, about uh, 30 in our Madison office. Now, one of the projects I know you in particular worked on is the streetcar, what we now call the hop. What uh, influence in your site selection did having a stop right outside your front door have? Sure. Um, I would say for me personally, it was more important, but no, I, looking at it holistically for our organization, um, you know, we have great freeway access on off ramps on, on right onto 794, uh, the future BRT, uh, project that the County has coming, which is a bus rapid transit route. We'll have proposed stops right in front of our building. And then of course the hop streetcar has a station right on Wisconsin Avenue. Um, so access to infrastructure and transportation was a core, uh, decision for our, for our dis, uh, decision-making process. Now, I know you worked on the streetcar, and I also know there's 90 people in your office. When, say, we're at the peak of your engineering work on the streetcar, how many people in your office are actually working on the project? Yeah, I, I mean, that's the beautiful story that folks kind of let miss. We have uh, uh, a number, uh, dozens of employees that have touched the streetcar project through the life of it, and it's really been you know, a great opportunity for people to grow and learn and work on a complicated, challenging project. Uh, we also have disadvantaged, disadvantaged business enterprises that work on our team as sub-consultants. A lot of times we'll do mentor-protege and have um, those firm staff literally sit in our office and work hand-in-hand. -hand. Uh, so, uh, you know, the streetcar was a great uh, career development project for not only HNTB and our professional engineering folks, but also on uh, resident preference program and city employee, city residents uh, were, were employed for both the design and construction of the project. And so now the streetcar, it's open, it's operating. The lakefront line is scheduled to open next year. There's no construction going on at the moment. We're waiting for the couture to have something happen. What's your role at this point in time? 
Yeah, so uh, there's some things I can say and some things I can't. Okay, but, we uh, prefer the things you can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we are, you know, the mayor made no uh, uh, mistake about it yesterday in the state of the city that the city is pushing forward with extensions, in particular north to Bronzeville. So our team is working with the city to uh, advance those goals as, as fast as we can. Obviously, the news yesterday um, could could allow us to do some great things. So. That news yesterday, we're recording this March 12th. If you're listening to it in the future, my comments about snow make no sense. <laughs> this will probably be released Wednesday, March 13th. But the news yesterday was the state of the city. That happened in the morning. And then moments after the state of the city, the Democratic National Convention was announced. That's correct. So so the, the Democratic National Convention obviously could be a, a huge game changer for the city, not only... Uh, economically on the food, beverage, hotel side, and service sector side of the city, but also hopefully on the infrastructure side. Obviously, this will be a a monumental task, and hopefully the city has the opportunity to make some major uh, infrastructure investments to help support not only the convention, but then be a benefit to the community after. All right, and ignore the microphone in front of your face. Just pretend we're just having a casual conversation. What is kind of the last possible time the city could break ground in extending the streetcar? Or the DNC? Uh, I, I'm going to punt on that one, but uh, let's just say that uh, uh, a lot of work is going to have to happen in order to be able to get an extension built. And, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Polensky, the uh, Commissioner of Public Works, and the Mayor's Office, and, and folks are, are, you know, urging our team and, and the city staff to work as hard as we can. Oh, so I'm delaying the streetcar right now because you're sitting here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm sure. Okay, Bob Donovan, I'm sure, is pleased that you are on this show then. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's talk about, you've you've hit on the streetcar locally. I know you've worked on other streetcar projects. Maybe tell us, I guess, a bit about what your portfolio personally is beyond just the city of Milwaukee. Yeah, as you know, I'm from here. I didn't grow up here, but live here now and, and, and love the city. Uh, live city resident, um, but I get to travel all over the country. Uh, we've got a project in Glendale, California, northern suburb of L.A. I personally worked on the Q line in Detroit for five years, so Which I, is, that's their streetcar, similar in length to Milwaukee's, right? Yeah, the Q line is a three point three mile route uh, starter system that goes from New Center to downtown on Woodward Avenue. Um, I commuted there every week. Um, uh, Forty minute flight, pretty quick. It's just like driving from the suburbs to downtown. Um, great project to see the rejuvenation and the investment and the collective soul of Detroit. If nobody's, if, if you've never been to Detroit, you got to get there. It is a great town. Uh, I love their hard work, uh, their soul, um, and the streetcar has helped really, uh, you know, catalyze that. What else have you worked on? Yeah, so I've been traveling a lot to uh, Atlanta as well. Um, you know, one of the things that... Um, y- other regions have that Milwaukee doesn't is a sustained funding source for for transit investment. And uh, in Atlanta, they uh, in 2016 passed a half cent sales tax in the city limits of Atlanta to invest in transit. So I've gotten to work down there uh, over the last year on uh, prioritizing projects for Atlanta. And so they're looking at uh, multiple bus rapid transit routes, multiple streetcar route additions, uh, and multiple LRT, light rail uh, transit uh, projects as well. So it's a major program. It's about 4 to $5 billion uh, of investment. And so it's just a unique opportunity to sort of add more uh, mobility in Atlanta other than congested freeways. And I guess walk, me being Joe Blow general public, I, okay, I'm not Joe Blow general public, I'm Joe Blow general nerd, <laughs> because I'm reading the budgets for these different 
uh, public works projects, and there's what called soft costs, engineering costs. And I see these big figures, and then I know, oh, I know Ashley Booth, and he, you know, he, he's not pocketing all that money. I know sure. HNTV bills a certain amount. You get much less than that, and there's many, many reasons why. But when you say you're going to these places, are there people from all kinds of HNTB offices converging because you have some type of specialty on that project? What's that look like? How's that work? Absolutely. So, you know, your question about um, even working on the Milwaukee streetcar, the hop here, uh, you know, we had to fly in expertise from all over the country. Uh, the, the design for like the overhead contact wire system that powers the streetcar vehicles we don't have that in Wisconsin, right? The last time we had that was 60 years ago. And so actually our designers were from Boston. And so um, there was a residual of all these experts coming to Milwaukee and uh, expending tax dollars within our city um, uh, to help support the infrastructure investment. And so uh, just like that in Atlanta, we bring in national experts, uh, whether they're financial planners, uh, well, they're, whether they're uh, transit planners, um, engineers, uh, they have to converge and help advise the client uh, to do the right things. And what are, you're, you mentioned the queue line in Detroit. Uh, you're going there, you're working on that project for a long period of time. What are you then able to bring to your next project? Are there particular examples you can share of like, oh, we learned in Detroit that, you know, this didn't quite work as we wanted to, so don't repeat that mistake. Oh, that's a great question. Um, absolute, the answer is absolutely yes. You, lessons learned, we do them all the time. In fact, um, we had project team members from our Detroit project come here and give lessons learned to, uh, you know, Gassan Corban, who was the commissioner at the time, and uh, Jeff Polinsky, who was the city engineer, and then vice versa. We've taken trips, field trips. Um, in fact, we had a, a field trip from Las Vegas actually coming to Milwaukee to learn about the hop, uh, to understand our system and lessons learned. And so there's sort of these, you know, things that you that I'm able to take from job to job and say, let's not contract with a contractor this way or let's not design a platform this way um, because of lessons learned. Okay, so they're not even all necessarily physical environment things. They're just basic billing principles, even something like that, that you can pass on. Contracting mechanisms, how you deal with change orders, how we deal with uh, what we call uh, sequencing and staging the construction, so how you can allow mobility for pedestrians and access to businesses, how you communicate to the business community. Uh, it's a very, you know, streetcars are a very complex organism. It's not just, you know, putting a road through a greenfield. Uh, there's all these moving disciplines and parts that are all intertwined with each other. So it's, it's, very, uh, it's a very exciting and uh, a fun thing to be part of. Well, one other project that HNTV has been involved in that I'm, I'm curious about what your involvement actually looks like, the $524 million Fiserv Forum. Uh, I don't know if you worked on that personally, but I know... Uh, accidentally in the last TNT national broadcast, actually, I guess it was two broadcasts ago for the Bucks, they even uh, thanked HNTV as the architect on TNT. <laughs> I don't think that was quite accurate. But what is HNTV's role? How do they get jobs that are street building streetcar, building highways, and all of a sudden they're involved in building arenas too? Yeah, so HNTB actually has a 40-year history of building sports architecture projects. So we have a huge market for sports college football and also professional football. So we actually were the designers of record of Levi Stadium in San Francisco, or Santa Clara, California. Where the San Francisco 49ers play. Correct. Um, we're also currently the designer of record for Oakland, the Oakland Raiders Stadium that will be in Las Vegas uh, when they move to the Las Vegas. So we've been in the sports architecture world for a long time. 
And we were part of a three-team consortium of Epstein Ewan Architects, a local firm, and then Populous, who was the architect of record. Uh, HNTB did uh, a ton of the project. We uh, did a lot of the structural design of the project, so making sure the building holds up. Um, We did all the exterior materials uh, for the facade. So for those out there, that's actually a, a zinc panel. So it's not wood. I know I hear a lot on sports talk radio about the wood is going to look weird in years. Well, there is no wood on the exterior. It is a zinc panel. Um, So we did the exterior. And then I personally have worked on the project for about five years. So uh, we were actually under contract by MMAC and Hamas to do a master plan in 2014. Uh, I've been along for the ride for a long time. And my, my team I managed actually did all the things that you walk on. So on the exterior of the building, the plaza, the landscape architecture, the concrete, uh, all those things you see, my, my team that I managed did all that work. Well, you said two interesting names there, MMAC and Hamas. Why are they involved in it? So, you know, back in, uh, it's a long story, but back in 2013, uh, you know, the commissioner at the time, David Stern, uh, of the NBA had put a, basically in the ownership of the NBA ownership majority, put a mandate on the city of Milwaukee uh, and the Bucks organization to build a new arena uh, by 2017. And so, you know, one of the big things was MMAC was concerned about losing the asset of the Milwaukee Bucks. And so they um, hired some, some experts to help figure out a plan to, um, to build a new arena. And so uh, fortunately, Hamas does that, uh, HNTB does that. I, I uh, do a lot of master planning. And so that's how we got involved. And what is the final product that you produce that then, because we hear uh, there's a San Francisco firm and then Rinka architects were involved kind of in designing the architectural elements. How does that play into what HNTV does? Yeah, so so um, the they, they do all the overarch, overarching design, but uh, HNTV and actually a, another local partner, Kapoor, did uh, all the, the, the plaza area. So Kapoor actually does all the hard surfaces and everything above the hard surface vertically is what Rinka Chung and uh, formerly Gensler, who was on the project at one point, uh, do the vertical design. Okay. And I guess I want to go back to the hop because there's, I like picking your brain on this because I know you know a lot about it. And I'm, you know, I physically, I, I see it every day. It's in front of our office. What are a couple things or maybe just a thing that in particular, I won't ask you what went wrong. I know they're a client of yours. What went right that you're like really proud of that? Like, hey, this piece of technology we use for the first time is really working. Well, there's two things. It's not a, a physical thing, but just the acceptance of the community. When we have decent weather, people are using it. And, and it just, you know, it, it goes against what everybody said that it wasn't going to do, which was attract people to use it. Um, so that's the first thing I'm most proud of is people actually are using it not only for, for people, tourists or suburbanites coming in and enjoying our downtown, to utilitarian people like yourself and others that live or work on the route. So that's the first thing that I'm most proud of. I think from a technical perspective, the batteries, right? The the battery power to me is such a cool trending technology. You know, we had some issues with the overhead power at one point during a storm and, and uh, the city decided to run off wire on the batteries for the entire route all day long. So that leads to my big question. Why can't they just always do that? And I'll play a bit dumb. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's all about the life cycle of the battery, right? And battery technology. And so, you know, one of the beautiful things about Tesla and the market of, of the automobile, it's really driving that battery technology right now. And so 
we just don't have the capacity within our lithium-ion batteries to run up and down the whole route all day long. And so it would wear on the life cycle of the batteries, then we'd have to replace the batteries more frequently. And so it's just managing that process. Okay, so similar to my cell phone, if I discharge it and charge it a thousand times, it's eventually going to make me have to replace it. Exactly. In a streetcar battery compared to an iPhone battery, what are we talking cost difference? Uh, pretty significant. <laughs> uh, we have six lithium-ion batteries on each end of our vehicle. So similar to your phone, uh, we don't like it to charge below 40%. And so when the, the streetcar is actually running on the overhead wire, it's recharging our lithium-ion batteries. So the way we design the system, which people probably don't realize, is it goes on wire, off wire, on wire, off wire. And there's a reason because we're recharging that battery while we're on wire. And then it goes off wire and it's 90 to 100% charged. It goes down in battery charge and then it gets to on wire section and goes back up. And it charges that much in that short period of time? Yes. Wow, that's impressive. Well, let's pivot to, I guess, the topic of the day. I want to hear all your Democratic National Convention hot takes. How excited are you? Uh, this is amazing. Uh, again, as, as you uh, know, I live in the city, a uh, huge fan of the city of Milwaukee. Uh, and not only just the city, the, the region and the state, this is a huge, a huge win. Uh, all the outside dollars, the investment, uh, not even the hard and induced investments, but also the, the things we don't even know about, just the exposure of folks enjoying it and coming back or folks that never even heard of Milwaukee that decide to come here as a result of that. It's a huge opportunity for us. All right, let's gaze. And I'm not saying you're voting for this person. I'm not saying you're endorsing this person. Right now, as you look at the field, it's an ever-growing field. Who do you think is going to get the nomination? Oh, boy. I don't know if I want to go on the radio with that prediction. <laughs> don't worry. We're not recording this for all time. It won't be on the website. <laughs> I won't ask every guest for the next year. You know, I, I, I don't even want to say, because I don't even know what the field is yet, right? It's not even uh, remotely close to being finished. Um, uh, it was amazing the energy that Bernie Sanders was able to draw in, in younger populations. It'll be interesting to see if he can bring that same energy or if some, uh, some of the newcomers uh, take that energy out of him. So it'll be interesting. All right. So I'm writing down Kamala Harris for Ashley Booth's guess. <laughs> That's all right. What, uh, I guess, give me one celebrity that you hope to run into during the DNC. Oh, wow. That's a good question. I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really, I'm not really flattered by uh, celebrities. You don't so. have to be flattered. I just like, <laughs> I'm going to be in the Nomad World Pub and I'm going to see Cory Booker. Well, <laughs> I, I, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, I think Cory has obviously done an amazing job in Newark as an urbanite. I've watched and been to Newark and seen some of the transition going on there. Obviously, they've got a major advantage being next to, them, to New York City, but, but that city has had some very tough times. You talk about Rust Belt, you know, of the Midwest. Newark is as a pretty tough town. And uh, he's done some amazing things with schools. I'm a big proponent of public schools. And uh, he did some amazing things with that. And, and so that would be pretty cool to run into court. I'm not right. saying I'm advocating for him, him, but... Well, I would wager the candidates themselves will be pretty protected. But uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll see Susan Sarandon at Bel Air Cantina <laughs> or something. I guess let's talk a bit about where you live. You're a Brewers Hill resident. I'm going to out you now. Your wife's the president of the Neighborhood Association. I don't think it's any secret. Uh, why Brewers Hill? Sure. You know, it's, it's, it's a great uh, neighborhood community in Milwaukee. You know, we lived in a condominium in uh, the Beer Line, and we loved it. We lived there for five years. But being in a condominium, uh, people are sort of, they go in their doors and they call it a day. Being in an urban neighborhood where you have a 
3,400 square foot lot. Um, you can't not interact with your neighbors. We have amazing neighbors, very committed to the city. Uh, we wanted to be part of a positive, um, uh, diverse, economically and uh, racially diverse neighborhood. We also want to be close. We love the Bucks. We love downtown. We love to be able to walk everywhere. You know, we're a 15-minute walk to Brady Street. We're a 15-minute walk to North Avenue. Uh, we're a 10-minute walk to Fiserv Forum. So we could pretty much walk anywhere we like, and now we can take the hop to the third ward. So I would say it's location, location, location is, is an amazing aspect of it. And just uh, uh, and then the history is the last thing. We love uh, our home is 129 years old now. So um, beautiful old uh, Victorian, brick Victorian, and, and we love working on projects. We have a lot of them, uh, but, but we love that aspect as well. What's one project that's looming that you've been putting off? Well, um, pretty much every window. So <laughs> we have wood windows, and my wife has become, uh, when she's not the, the uh, working her consulting job or uh, the neighborhood president, she is a, a wood worker. Um, so she's been amazing at fixing our windows. Uh, it's tough to get contractors in this market, uh, in this economy, and so uh, you kind of learn to figure things out on your own. And is your home historically designated locally? It is. In fact, we were the first single family home to actually get a plaque designating our house historic. And so uh, that's something my wife is very passionate about. We were in the King William neighborhood in uh, south of downtown San Antonio along the Riverwalk. And they have these great plaques um, telling the story of the home. And they're accessible and visible from the sidewalk. And so we approached the Historic Preservation Commission uh, about a plaque program, and in fact, they had one, but nobody had actually utilized it. So um, we actually have a blue plaque. The challenge is it's on our porch, and it's, our porch is about 20 feet from the sidewalk. So unless you come up to our... So you're going to buy a bigger plaque is what you're telling me <laughs> in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Any other Anything people should know about Brewers Hill or any other DNC hot takes? I think for... You know, for Burrs Hill, you know, I think it's a great community. Um, it's surrounded by great neighborhoods like River West, Harambe, uh, on the north and downtown of the south. Uh, if if we, we love ev- anybody and everybody and come come visit and, and, and buy a home there or, or rent an apartment. We have very affordable uh, apartments as well in the neighborhood. So uh, it's just a great place to live and, and, and or raise a family. And then uh, the DNC, it's going to be a crazy 489 days. Uh, I think we're going to be counting them down. I don't want to ask you your favorite restaurant because I when people give very political answers then. Huh. So I'm just going to ask you an underrated bar, restaurant, maybe even a brewery. I have a guess what your answer would be there <laughs> in Milwaukee. What is something that deserves more love? Well, obviously underrated brewery is Urban Harvest in Walker's Point. That's one of the best breweries in town. Great flavor uh, and, a, and a cool vibe. Uh, food wise, man, I just, I would say collectively, and you're going to call this political, but I think collectively we have one of the best food scenes in the country. I I fell asleep. Sorry. What were you saying? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I literally came from Miami and and Key West this last week and I travel a lot for work. So I get a lot of exposure to different regions that have amazing food scenes, air quotes. And uh, the price uh, per quality in Milwaukee, I would compare it to any city in the country. I really would. It's, it's amazing here. Uh, and then the collection of neighborhoods and areas. For instance, I, had, I'm a love, I, I love Thai food. I'd never eaten Isane because I always just go to Tynamite, which is, you know, I got to pass three, three Thai restaurants to get to it. So, All right. What number are you up to? Or what, where do you like to be on the heat scale? I, 
you know, I prefer a four-ish. Okay, um, that's where I'm at. You know, not too high above that, which is it starts to get insane. But uh, for my English heritage, uh, you know, I'm pretty proud of my four. All right. Well, Ashley Booth, Great Lakes Transit Leader at HNTB, Milwaukee Booster, uh, fan of seeing Cory Booker at the Nomad World Pub. Thank you for coming. I'll let you get back to extending the streetcar. Thanks, Jeremy. <laughs>